You're listening to a podcast from Washington Post Live, bringing the Post's newsroom to life on stage. Southwest Airlines CEO Gary Kelly joins the Post to talk about his projections for air travel for 2021, the challenges of falling revenues, and the role the latest coronavirus relief package may play. Let's listen. Welcome to Washington Post Live. I'm David Ignatius, a columnist at the Post. Today in our continuing series on the path forward, we'll be talking about the future of the airline industry. We're lucky to be joined by the chief executive of Southwest Airlines, uh, Gary Kelly. Uh, Southwest was ranked last year by the Wall Street Journal as the number one airline in performance in the country. Uh, we're happy to have uh, Gary with us. Welcome to Washington Post Live, uh, Gary. Thanks, David. It's a pleasure. So today we had some good news after so many months of, of negative news f from your industry. Um, your company uh, and JetBlue uh, both uh, talked about a steady rise in leisure bookings uh, and Southwest uh, forecast that its cash burn, its losses uh, would uh, slow for the first quarter, that your operating revenue in March and April will improve thanks to these leisure bookings. Uh, so it, it seemed that things were pointing up. Uh, one of your uh, CEO colleagues, United Airlines uh, Chief Executive Scott Kirby said at a conference that, um, that he thought uh, we're near the end of the virtual world. So I wanna ask you from your perspective running Southwest, whether that seems right, are we, uh, Paraphrase Winston Churchill, are, are, is this the, the uh, beginning of the end or is it the end of the beginning for your industry? It, it feels like it's, uh, you know, the beginning of the end. And uh, we, we, yeah, we've had a really rough first quarter until March. So January, February were very poor months. Uh, seasonally, they're uh, not real strong travel months anyway. But with the case counts uh, peaking back in January, uh, it really put a chill on travel. Uh, and right now, business travel uh, is very, very weak. So we don't have that to rely on, you know, in the uh, winter months uh, as, as we typically do. So you get into March and spring break, and um, now the case counts are coming down, the vaccination counts are coming up. Uh, what I read this morning is, you know, the vaccinations are approaching uh, 70 million. And get to the springtime and people want to travel and people are, I think, tired of being cooped up. So uh, yeah, I, I think there are very clear signs that our business is picking up, uh, which is very consistent from uh, you know everything else that we're reading. And uh, Gary, as you look in your uh, forecasting crystal ball, what do you see for the rest of this year? Obviously it's difficult to make uh, predictions uh, with, with confidence, but as vaccination uh, rates increase, are you expecting um, the continued increases in leisure travel as people get back to patterns that look like uh, what we saw before the pandemic? You know, David, this is 44 years for me in business, and I've never had a point in my life where it was impossible to forecast. So I'll just kind of start out with that. Uh, you know, our business is still off relative to 2019 levels, uh, pre, you know, pre-pandemic levels, it's still down uh, 65%, uh, at least in February. So given that, it's still hard to uh, forecast. However, uh, you know, I would just offer up, uh, I would pontificate a little bit, if you will, that 
we have two large uh, segments of traffic, business travelers and uh, consumers traveling for a variety of reasons. Uh, right now, we're very dependent upon consumers to uh, fill up our airplanes. Um, our hope is that by the time we get to June, where you've had uh, much of the population uh, uh, have, having had access to vaccinations, um, that you know we've got a chance at um, uh, breaking even at least. So I don't expect business travel to recover in that time period. If you look at uh, past recessions, uh, it's taken five years on average for business travel to recover to pre-recession levels. That would be my guess this time. And knowing how habits have changed uh, in this virtual world, it could be much longer than that. So uh, we're very prepared uh, to, uh, uh, to see the, that kind of uh, demand in the future and still uh, be successful. So my hope is that uh, by the time we get to the end of this year that uh, we have most of this pandemic behind us. Let me ask you to, to uh, drill down a little bit on, on, on that. If I understand you, you're saying that in terms of business travel, it could be as long as five years when you're still taking some kind of earnings hit. Uh, so to, to be profitable, over that uh, horizon, are you, are you going to need to become a different uh, airline? Uh, and if so, just sketch some of the ways you're beginning to think with your colleagues about how to how to right size Southwest or alter your business practices so that even with reduced business travel, you'll make money. Well, yeah, this is big. It's a very uh, dramatic uh, change uh, for the world and certainly for travel and tourism. So I do think that we have to be uh, agile, mentally agile here, and be prepared to uh, pivot uh, and make some changes. Having said that, we've looked at our strategy and we think that we're very well prepared uh, with the Southwest as you know it uh, for this kind of an environment. Um, right now, our load factors at reduced flying are about 65%. Uh, as we're looking forward to the next couple of months, I'm hoping that it will get into the 70s. So it just gives you some sense, in other words, of how much demand there is out there. In normal times, we'd be looking at 35 to 40% of our demand traveling for business. And right now, I'm going to assume that it's going to be substantially less than that, half of that uh, or more. Right now, business travels down 90%. Wow. So we, we need to keep our costs low. Um, we're a low-cost carrier um, in the first place. We need to keep our fares low and, and make, make sure that they're affordable uh, for consumers. They are. We don't charge bag fees. We don't charge change fees. We have a very generous frequent flyer program. Um, we have single-class service that we're very proud of. There's no second class on Southwest. So up and down the line, I feel very good about our 50 years that we've had, this is our 50th anniversary, and I think that we're very well prepared for the future. We'll still want to find ways to innovate and especially uh, drive more efficiency and more productivity uh, in an environment like this because there will be inflation and we wanna do all that we can to keep our costs low so that the fares are affordable uh, in this kind of an environment. So I want to ask you a question we've been asking CEOs through this past 12 months. 
uh, on this series, The Path Forward, and that is whether uh, when the pandemic finally ends, we'll go back to something like what we knew. And we've heard over and over again that the answer is no, that, that habits have changed, there will be a new normal, and that obviously it may apply to how people do business. Uh, we've learned how to do virtual meetings, we've learned to work at home, just talk a little bit about uh, the sort of broader uh, trends of social and economic trends and how they affect your company, your industry, and the travel industry generally. Well, I think we would all be very wise to assume that some things are going to change. Uh, I don't, I don't like the word never, uh, but uh, but on the other hand, you know this this is a big event. It has accelerated. Uh, the transformation, let's just say, of uh, working remotely, working virtually. Um, we Before the pandemic, we were not taking uh, calls from our call centers at home, if you will. And now uh, the vast majority of our call center employees are working from home, taking calls. When would that have happened at Southwest? I don't know. It really wasn't high on our agenda, believe it or not. And uh, all of a sudden now that's happened. I don't see us going back uh, and uh, having everyone go back to, into the call centers uh, is just one example. So in a lot of ways, we're like other companies in that we have corporate staffs and corporate functions. And I, I do think that you'll see more remote work, more flexibility for employees. Uh, and uh, it's sort of, you know, the equivalent of uh, uh, Uber and, and ride sharing. Well, now I think you're going to see more real estate sharing uh, with uh, home offices. So I think that's inevitable. Uh, as far as travel goes, uh, as far as business travel goes, especially, um, people want to travel and they certainly want to travel for leisure purposes. And I think there's huge pinup demand for that. So I think that as an airline, that we uh, can be bullish on that point. And I'm not convinced that um, uh, people want to do business virtually to the point that there will be minimal travel. I think business travel will, will come roaring back. Then the question becomes, to what level? And that I'm just not as certain of. So all we can do is plan and be prepared. And uh, right now we have new revenue streams that we're pursuing, which will help offset that on the business travel side of things. Uh, uh, for example, we have Southwest Business that is, uh, for the first time in 2020, uh, we've, uh, we, we have engaged with global distribution systems and made it much easier for big managed uh, corporate travel uh, to do business with Southwest. So I, I would expect our share of that will go up significantly. But overall, I think it's going to take some time for the business travel to come back, and and it may uh, never get back to pre-pandemic levels. There's just no way to know at this point. And let me ask you to look backward a bit. Your industry over the last 12 months suffered a brutal hit. Your annual revenue for, for the year was down by the estimate I'm reading, uh, 60% globally for the airline industry was the worst year in history with a net loss of $84 billion. How long is it gonna to take to repair that kind of damage? 
uh, both to your company, uh, losses of that level, uh, effects on your employees, uh, structure your business, and, and how long for the for the global industry? You know, it's easily the worst thing that's happened uh, for for uh, uh, you know po post war babies like me uh, and in and, and my life. And um, I don't know what it was like in World War II or going back 100 years to the Spanish flu and World War I, but uh, it, it's really bad. Um, and so, yes, it's going to take some time for healthy companies to repair themselves. I would put us in that category. Uh, and then uh, unhealthy companies uh, are very vulnerable uh, in an environment like this. You, you go back to what our, our government did uh, a year ago with the first CARES Act. And I think absent that kind of uh, support, that kind of liquidity, uh, our country would be in a depression because the, the financial markets were closed. They have been open uh, since uh, the CARES Act was passed. Uh, and you've seen what the equity markets have done uh, since then. But, um, you know, it's, it, it's going to take us uh, quite a bit of time to repair. We did about close to 20 years worth of uh, borrowings in one year. Uh, so uh, we have a pile of cash, but we also have a pile of debt. Fortunately, we have more cash than we have debt, uh, and I want to keep it that way. Uh, so we're in a good position as long as this doesn't go on too long and we stop the bleeding and we begin to um, manage our cash flow again, which again, my target is sometime this year, uh, then I think we'll be in great shape um, in relative terms. And again, going back to the belief that people want to travel and there's a lot of pent up demand, uh, hey, we could have a good year in 2022. But uh, we, we just want to make sure that we manage our finances uh, in, in case uh, the recovery takes longer than that. And to make sure I understood you, uh, Gary, you're saying that you think sometime in 2021, uh, in terms of your cash flow, you'll become profitable again as a business. Is that right? That's my target. And going back to the point I made earlier uh, about how difficult it is to forecast, but um, we had uh, what we've called internally uh, a whiteboard exercise oh, uh, early in the fall, September of last year. And we made guesses as to where the business would be in the fourth quarter, first quarter of this year, by the end of the year. And actually, we're remarkably close to that. And they were wild guesses. It was all predicated upon having a vaccine available at the end of the year. And it was. Uh, so um, I, I think that based on that and based on my belief that people want to travel uh, and that the pandemic will, will end effectively sometime in 2021, I think that that's a reasonable target to have. I, in, in other words, we'll break even at least and hopefully have positive cash flow in at least uh, sometime in, in uh, 2021. Last week, uh, Congress passed, the president signed the, the uh, so-called American Relief Act, $1.9 trillion uh, relief measure. Yeah, your industry was one of the, the beneficiaries. Um, uh, there had been concern that your industry would have to 
to furlough workers in in March. Um, uh, you got some help on, on, on that front in the bill as I read it. There's a lot of money for airports, $8 billion. Uh, talk a, a bit about what uh, you see in, in that uh, $1.9 trillion bill for your industry. Um, and I'm just curious whether you have any concerns, as some economists do, that we may be uh, over-priming the pump now with a recovering economy at pouring that much additional cash into it. What do you think? I don't think so. Um, I, th I, I see it more of an asymmetrical risk. Again, this is the worst environment that we've had, uh, certainly in three or four generations. Uh, so we, there's a tremendous amount of risk. Um, so I think keeping people employed um, and, and, and just getting us through the, the trough of this pandemic so that we can li all live to fight another day is absolutely uh, critical. I think doing too little in a scenario like this, again, it's asymmetrical, has a far greater uh, uh, disastrous uh, potential outcome. And for us, uh, we're celebrating our 50th year. We've never had a furlough. We've never had a layoff. We've never had a pay cut. And then we get into 2020 and uh, you know the unspeakable happens. So we've survived this um, because of the government uh, grants and obviously made the commitments to keep people on the payroll, but we're the only airline that hasn't cut hours, cut pay rates, furloughed, laid off, uh, and I'm very proud of that. So our record is intact and uh, the, the support made the difference. Um, and I promised our people we won't have any, any kind of uh, actions along those lines here in 2021. The good part of that, uh, from a business perspective, it, as, as we were talking earlier, our business is down, let's say, 65%. So we've reduced our flight activity. We can't be profitable with our flight activity at these levels. We have too much overhead. We have too much invested in airplanes, in airports, um, in equipment. Uh, and we have too many people. So we have to have more customers so that we can add more flights. So at least by maintaining our uh, employees, uh, it puts us in a position where we can respond when the demand uh, does come back. Uh, so it's a real balancing act that we have to play uh, in this environment. And again, uh, the the three different payroll support programs put us in a position where we could realistically do that because it costs us a lot of money, in other words, to maintain all the airplanes, all the flight activity, and all the staff uh, in this environment. We would have been better off. We would have lost less money had we just not operated. But I think everyone feels like air transportation is an essential part of our economy. Uh, and members of Congress were very concerned that we would eliminate service to their communities in their states. And um, we, haven't, we haven't closed one location at Southwest. In fact, we've, we will have added 17 new lo locations uh, during this time period, all in an effort to generate new customers and, and uh, new revenue.
And I hear you uh, reaffirming this promise to your employees that there will be uh, no furloughs, no job losses, uh, no no reduction in pay. Looking ahead uh, to, to, through, through 2021, I want to make sure I've got that right. You you have that right. Uh, it's the it's the right thing to do. Um, our federal leaders have done a great job supporting our industry, uh, and the least that we can do, in my opinion, is to make that commitment. Uh, that's what it was for. That was to keep people on the payroll and at their previous pay. And we've done that, and I'm proud of that. Yeah, let me ask you about another way in which your industry has been uh, in the vortex of, of this pandemic, and, and that's the question of uh, public uh, health concerns for travelers aboard airplanes, specifically the, the question of masking. Um, be interested in, in your thoughts about that. It's unfortunately been the case that masking has become a political issue uh, in the state where you're headquartered in Texas. Uh, your governor has essentially said uh, it's it's back to back to normal. No more mask mandate. What do you think about that? Does it does it seem to you like the time to be going back back to normal? And I assume you still impose mask requirements on your flights, even those taking off from Dallas. But tell us. Well, going back a year ago when the, all this first unfolded, th that was our number one concern is how can we continue to operate uh, and serve our customers, but also keep our employees and our customers safe. And um, we've done our best to follow CDC guidelines throughout. And when the CDC finally came out and said masks are important, which is common sense to me, it's intuitive, uh, we 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 impose that. So we required of our employees, and we also required of our customers. Since then, you have a new administration, and they have uh, issued an executive. Uh, President Biden issued an executive order mandating mask on flights, uh, and that has not changed. So I'm a huge believer in wearing masks. I think every individual needs to do his or her part to help crush this pandemic. Um, I don't think it's too much to ask, uh, to ask uh, people to do that. You're protecting others and you're protecting yourself. So until the pandemic is uh, over, yes, we should absolutely continue to physically distance uh, as much as we can and wear masks as much as we can. And that means, uh, given everything we hear from the CDC, that there's some more months, may, maybe many more months, in which a masking requirement for air travelers is likely to be in place. Uh, at least, and I think, uh, and I think all these things are a little bit difficult to uh, predict. We need to follow the science as best we can. We'll obviously have to overlay that with some judgments. But um, I don't really know what the future, let's, let's just say the pandemic is declared over in 2021. Will we still be wearing masks in 2022? I think it depends. I think it's whether we have an ongoing endemic uh, that uh, puts people at risk. And if that is the case, and we know that we can mitigate the effects uh, from a healthcare perspective, I feel like we have a responsibility uh, at the company uh, to provide a clean and safe and healthy uh, environment on board the aircraft. We have um, 
HEPA air filters, uh, as you're no, no doubt very well aware, installed on every airplane. We refresh the air in the cabin every two to three minutes. Uh, we have uh, very intense, uh, deep uh, cleaning protocols, and those things won't go away uh, just because the pandemic is declared ended. So uh, I think it just remains to be seen what role masks play in an enclosed environment like that. Right now, uh, the air cabins on airplanes are among the cleanest and safest places uh, that, that you can go. And, uh, and I'm proud of you know, what we've been able to accomplish as an industry and certainly at Southwest in that regard. Before we leave this subject, I just wanna ask a obvious question. You're a, a big, successful Texas company. Do you get any uh, political pressure from your employees or from the people in the state government to ease up on these divisive issues of masking? Not really. Um, you know, we, we've got 45,000 active employees uh, right now, and uh, we have some on leave. If you if you include everyone as part of the Southwest family, uh, we've got about 55, 56,000 employees, and they reflect the population at large. So you have varying views, but I think our people understand um, that we we're a family here, and we are trying to look out for everyone's best interest. We've been very thoughtful uh, about uh, the policies that we've chosen. So it's no, it's not like I get complaints from our people on a daily basis. Now, every day we'll have a customer who objects to wearing a mask. And, um, you know, we have hundreds of thousands of customers on a daily basis, so that's not uh, so unusual. But uh, no, there are definitely, there are definitely uh, you know, uh, those that uh, that don't think that that is necessary or the right thing to do, and I respect that. Uh, but we're in charge of the airplane and making sure that people are safe. And when you're on our airplane, you got to wear the mask. Um, thank you for for unpacking that, as as it were. When I ask you a, a final question in the time we have remaining, uh, you uh, made an announcement at Southwest last week that you were restoring the 737 MAX uh, to service in your fleet as I, as I read the announcement. I just want to ask you um, what that was like and, and maybe more to the point, what you learned uh, uh, as you worked with Boeing to, to deal with this uh, problem, the 737 MAX, what went wrong and do you think uh, we're in better shape now in terms of, of Boeing and certification uh, so that something like this won't happen in the future? Well, yeah, I think as we march through history, hopefully uh, we learn from mistakes. And uh, the, the MAX is a great airplane. It is 15% uh, more fuel efficient. It's 40% quieter. It is a really, really uh, good airplane and a terrific ride. Um, our pilots are expert on the 737, and it is the only airplane that we operate. And for most of our history, virtually the entire uh, span of our history, uh, all we have flown is the 737. So there's just tremendous expertise uh, here, and, and we, we try to hire the best of the best uh, in the pilot ranks. Every pilot we hire has been a captain uh, and is very, very experienced. So. 
you kind of start with that. And then we have a long, uh, great partnership with the Boeing company. So clearly the changes that were made to the software with the flight control system, we wish those were in place uh, it, uh, initially. Um, so that's been changed now and has been very heavily scrutinized. It's the most reviewed and uh, scrutinized airplane in the history of uh, aviation. Uh, and uh, uh, so, yeah, we, we launched the uh, airplane back into service uh, last Thursday. And that's after being grounded for almost two years, after an exhaustive review and very minor changes when you get right down to it in terms of pilot procedures, at least for Southwest, in terms of pilot procedures. And there was a, a significant software change that was made to the flight control system. But uh, it's, um, you know, you just can't ever be complacent. You can't ever let your guard down and you just have to, uh, the devil's in the details, as, as people like to say. So uh, it's always a humbling experience when things don't go perfectly. And uh, I just respect the fact that um, smart people at Boeing and the FAA and Southwest and the rest of the industry tackled the problem and got it solved. And the airplane is uh, back in service. So I, I've asked you some some uh, blunt uh, questions. I'm gonna close with a softball. Uh, one of your young travelers lost a Buzz Lightyear doll. And there's a story making the where are the wires about how your uh, agent in Little Rock managed to find this Buzz Lightyear for young Hazen Davis in Dallas and get it back to him. So the hard edge on this, we've all lost things on, on airlines or in airports. I, I wish the story of, of Hazen Davis and Buzz Lightyear was universal, but I've had things that just disappeared. So the simple question is, this is great performance to get the toy back to the young man. How does how do, how do you, does the does the industry end up doing better? Does it need to spend more time, money, attention? Because there's just too much stuff that's lost and uh, lost and found is a, sometimes a bottomless pit. Well, I'll just speak for Southwest. I think um, to me. It's just an example of care um, and desire uh, to uh, treat other people with respect and as a human being. So you can view people as transactions or you can try to uh, think of them as a guest in your home. And that's what our people try to do. Um, there are, it's it's uh, like a ballet every day, well orchestrated, of course, uh, to operate an airline. In uh, normal times, we have 4,000 daily departures and uh, 400,000 uh, customers on a daily basis. So there's just a lot of moving parts uh, in that. Safety is the number one objective. Trying to keep the airline on time is an objective. So um, things do get lost. I've, lo I've lost things on airports or uh, airplanes, rather, and lost, you know, left my iPad in the seat back pocket and, and all kinds of dumb things. Um, I, I won't tell you all my horror travel stories that are all on me, but, but uh, what we try to do is hire people at Southwest Airlines that um, care about each other and in turn really care about customers. I could give you thousands of stories that are like the Buzz Lightyear story where people went above and beyond in any variety of things, but it's just that 
that attitude and that desire to uh, uh, just take good care of people uh, in addition to uh, getting them there on time. But everybody's traveling for a purpose. Uh, so travel can be stressful. And I, I think our people are really uh, aware of that and do their best to uh, make that travel experience uh, something that's really positive. When things go wrong, uh, when we're late, uh, when we have uh, you know, a cancellation or whatever it might be where we can't find a bag, uh, that's where our people really shine. You know, and they, uh, they do everything that they can to make it right with the customer. And, and I'm glad to see that, that was, it was such a great story um, and we could all use good news and, and yeah, it was front page news here in Dallas, you know, so it was, it was, uh, very, uh, very, very fun to read. And, and, uh, and then, you know, what we try to do is we, we try to find and know these events that they've happened and we celebrate, we, uh, recognize our employees and we love on them and, and, um, uh, it, and, you know, they're, and, and, and they appreciate that, but I think it's, it's in, that's why we got the heart, you know, and, uh, and it shows uh, with every one of our employees, they, they just do a great job. Gary Kelly, uh, CEO of Southwest Airlines, thanks for a great conversation about your, your company and your industry. We really appreciate your joining us. Thank you, David. So uh, we'll, we'll be back. Stay tuned at two o'clock today. My colleague, Robin Gavon, We'll interview the Pulitzer Prize-winning author Viet Tan Nguyen about his latest book and about the disturbing rise in violence against Asian Americans. So join us for that. Thanks so much for staying with Washington Post Live. Thanks for listening. To hear more interviews from this series and other Washington Post Live programs, visit us at WashingtonPostLive.com.